You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I don't think anything is really accomplished, and I never have, of uh, dismissing a coach during the season. Again, because of distractions and lack of focus, it can be done pretty soon afterwards. Uh, Better have a plan in place of where you're going because uh, in in this profession, if there's several jobs open, it's like uh, everybody's coming to everybody's front door. So when the decision is made, it's me. You know, everybody wants to be a part of the hire, but nobody wants to be a part of the fire. And uh, so I just just take care of both of those. And uh, I know I have the blessing of Chancellor Green and also our president uh, in in that regard. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and welcome to Lincoln, Bill Moose. Uh, you are officially on the clock. You've got five weeks to make a decision on kind of uh, where this football program is going to go. You just heard Bill Moose um, and, and make his statements here uh, from being announced on Sunday that uh, he does not believe in in-season coaching changes. Um, we know this, that Bill Moose um, brings a lot of experience to the table. He keeps a list of potential men's and women's basketball coaches and football coaches at all times in this top desk drawer at all times. Um, and, you know, and he's going to come into Lincoln here the next few weeks and, and has a strong knowledge of Mike Riley and, and kind of really evaluate the direction of, of things. But let's be real, guys. We, we've been down this road a few times now with Steve Peterson, Sean Eichhorst, even Tom Osborne. Uh, when a new AD comes in, it typically is not good for the sitting head football coach. And in this case, obviously, with Nebraska being three and four, uh, Mike Riley, Robin, has to prove a lot here over these next five games. He certainly does. And keep in mind that uh, Bill Moose was actually signed on his contract uh, to become Nebraska's next athletic director on Friday. So that means his technically his second day on the job was the Ohio State debacle. And so he watched the game as Nebraska's new sitting athletic director, uh, fully evaluating what was going on with Mike Riley and that program. And uh, as you know, everyone here knows, that was not a good first impression. So Mike Riley is off to a very, very bad start um, as far as you know, trying to quote-unquote audition for his job. Um, you know, I know that he said he's not looking at it that way, uh, but that's the reality. Um, you know, this this is a very short time frame here. He has to give Bill Moose tangible evidence that this program will be, you know, uh, going in the right direction at the end of the year, that there is reason for optimism. And quite frankly, that, you know, he has done enough to warrant coming back for a fourth season. There's an awful lot to accomplish in, a, in just a short amount of time for, for Mike Riley in terms of making that impression. And um, and there's a lot to accomplish for Bill Moose to, to gather all the information needed in order to make the correct decision. Because now, you know, the, all the decision making is kind of off of Hank Bounds and Ronnie Green and, and is squarely on his shoulders. And, and uh, I think he's, he's in a pretty hard position because, um, you know, if he, he screws up the first big decision that he has to make right off the bat, then, uh, then his career could end up just like Sean Eichhorst. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. And I think when they made this hire, when Ronnie Green and President Hank Bounds, you know, sat down and, and looked at this process, they know what's coming. They know that a big decision in football and men's basketball are more than likely going to have to be made, whether it's this year or next year or down the road. And I, I think 
they are such big decisions that you don't want a rookie AD, somebody without the type of experience. And you look at the years of hirings and firings and all the time that Bill Moose has had at Oregon and Montana and Washington State and 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 then the personality he brings here. He kind of has that ex-jock mentality. He played football. He was all-conference player at Washington State. He's got two sons that one played at Arizona State, one plays at Cal currently. So he really gets the current student athlete, but he also gets it as an athlete himself where Eichhorst was more of that CEO type of AD. And I, I don't know if that fit well here at Nebraska where you kind of had a kind of a corporate running mentality of how you run the department. You didn't want to have relationships with the coaches. I think a lot of what he brings is going to fit the description of what Nebraskans want in the AD, uh, but also the coaches. I mean, Darren, guys like Darren Erstad, John Cook, they won't tell you this publicly, but they weren't Sean Eichhorst fans. Um, Sean Eichhorst hardly had a relationship with either one of those guys. And, um, you know, I, I, I think this will be a lot different going forward with Bill Moose. I would add Tim Miles to that list as well as another coach that was not a uh, Sean Eichhorst guy. And so, yeah, I think that just from a personality standpoint, Bill Moose definitely fits um, the mold of what you want your athletic director to be when you're a head coach. I mean, he's a guy that understands sports. He's played it. Um, he's been around it for, you know, plenty of years at several different spots at different levels. Uh, and so he, he knows kind of the challenges involved in, in what you're doing as a coach building a program. And I think that ability not only to, to get that and to, to understand that, but to uh, be able to have a dialogue with coaches where you're, you know, talking to them at their level as opposed to some, you know, uh, smooth, go go between. Yeah, some smooth politician who's sending your assistants to go have basically 99% of your um, interactions with your coaches. I mean, that, that that doesn't sit well with people. And so I think that just naturally um, Bill Moose's personality is going to be a much better fit and a much better bridge uh, between the administrative side of Nebraska and the coaching side. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, th- I think that he strikes me and, and sounds like from every, everything that I've read and, and from what people have said about him is that he's a straight shooter. There you know exactly where you stand with this with this guy, and, uh, and that wasn't always the case uh, in the past with Sean Eichhorst, I don't believe, and um, and he is much more of a of a you know blue collar type of kind of almost kind of a, a throwback. I think he does fit this uh, this position at Nebraska much better than than uh, you know the the lawyer type, the the white collar kind of corporate uh, keep everything kind of buttoned up and and never really know exactly what's what what someone's thinking or, or what's going on behind the scenes. I, I think Bill Moose is a, the type of guy that could talk with anybody and um, and is, like I said, going to tell you exactly where you stand. Well, it's an opposite a personality of Mike Riley. I mean, you look at Bill Moose. He's a ribeye-eating, scotch-drinking, mow-his-own-lawn, shovel-manure, like he joked, uh, at his cattle ranch type of guy. Mike Riley drives a Prius, rides his bike to work, and you know he's this totally different personality. So that that's what's going to be interesting for me to watch. Uh, when you compare the two type of guys Mike Riley is to Bill Moose, and they know each other, but Mike Riley, Robin, was pretty clear that, you know, we didn't have a relationship when he was at Washington State and Oregon. Um, we would see each other and say hi or in passing. Um, so they're, they're not here to become, you know, to try to make this work, in my opinion. I think Bill Moose is obviously, we know what's going on. Yeah, they're saying all the right things, um, you know, that they're going to give every opportunity, you know. Um, <laughs> I think it was very clear from the very first question about Mike Riley's status when Bill Moose said, as we speak right now, here in time, he's our coach and I'm going to support him. 
that basically was the weakest endorsement an athletic director could give a head coach you could possibly ask for. So um, clearly that set the tone for kind of where things stand. Um, and like we've mentioned, Mike Riley has a ton of work to do to change that opinion. Um, he's off to a terrible start with what happened on Saturday night. And, you know, quite frankly, um, there's not a lot of optimism right now. I know outside of the program that things are going to get much better. So um, if things go the way that many people expect, it's going to be a pretty clean cut decision, um, you know, for Bill Moose, in my opinion. And so, um, you know, I think it's more just kind of a, an inevitable situation. And I'm sure that there's already uh, some gears in motion as to who, you know, will potentially be that next head coach. Well, there there would have to be if, if there's going to be a decision being made, uh, or regardless of a, if a decision is made or not, I think that there'd have to be at least some gears uh, in motion behind the scenes there. Uh, and yeah, I, you know, and I agree. I, I like Mike Riley, but there's he's got an awful lot to to flip, uh, you know, kind of flip the script here in, in just a very very short amount of time. All right, well, we've got a full show on tap here. It is the bye week. Nebraska doesn't play on Saturday, but still plenty to talk about, including uh, some recruiting later on in the show. But uh, we're going to give a kind of a big picture overview of the offense and the defense, and we'll also take your questions in the mailbag. That is all next here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I'm disappointed offensive production. If I was to say, you know, I can't change what's happened already, but if I'm going forward in this day and age of playing football with the points that are put on the board, we have to be more productive. You know, moving forward, I mean, this team is going in the right direction. I mean, might not be as quickly as the fans or as we like, but um, I think we're going in the right direction. I think, you know, we just got to continue to build, stick together. After a loss like that, it's all about just sticking together, keeping the guys together. And I think as a, as a senior and as a captain, um, it's, it's my job and the other captain's job to keep guys together. And, um, you know, I'm really going to task myself with that this week. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. You heard from Mike Riley and uh, fullback Luke McNitt, just kind of on the state of things with the offense. And, uh, you know, they did put up some yards against Ohio State, but it, it's so hard to kind of – give context to anything they've done, Robin, uh, the last few weeks. I mean, you look at this this way. I mean, when you look at the fourth quarter of the Wisconsin game and then the Ohio State game, Nebraska's defense gave up 11 straight touchdown drives. And I, I honestly was thinking about this the other day. I don't know if I've ever seen that in any kind of football where, you know, especially at a proud place where 90,000 people come to the games back-to-back weeks where a defense – and that stadium, with the emotion and the fans behind them, um, gives up that kind of yardage and that many points, um, 77 points on 11 drives to be exact, uh, which is the most you could theoretically give up on 11 drives. So when you flip that over to the offense, it's really hard to measure things. But Tanner Lee has gotten better. I'm going to throw some numbers out at you. He's 63 of 104 for 869 yards, seven touchdowns, one interception. Uh, that is since his pick six interception against Rutgers. And that kind of, to me, has been a turning point for him, completing about 61% of his passes. Yeah, I mean, he's been the least of their concerns right now, which is a big flip from where things were you know, earlier in the season when uh, he couldn't really stay out of his own way with a lot of those interceptions. So um, that's at least one bright spot that 
Uh, Tanner Lee is you know, slowly starting to look more and more like the guy we all thought he was going to be um, watching him in spring and fall camp. But um, the issue is he's not getting much help. Um, you know, his receivers aren't catching a lot of passes. They're inconsistent with that. Um, his offensive line has been better. I think he's only been sacked, what, twice since that Rutgers game or the second half of that Rutgers game. So uh, the, the protection has been better, uh, but the running game has been inconsistent at best. Um, you know, and then, you know, you get a guy that rushes for three straight 100-yard games and you decide to bring him off the bench for a guy coming off an ankle injury against Ohio State. Uh, and so clearly that didn't set the tone with the game plan that needed to happen to beat Ohio State, which is to run between the tackles. So um, Lee has been good, uh, much better than he was earlier in the year. Um, but the problem is it hasn't been nearly enough to kind of counterbalance everything else that's gone wrong. Yeah, if, if you could have kept the, the ground game that was working there for the, those three weeks that Divine was out there, or even going back to, to what Trey Bryant was giving you at the beginning of the season, and combine that with, uh, with the growth that Lee has made here over the past few weeks, I, I think that you'd have a pretty pretty competent offense but uh, unfortunately that's not the case i as far as lee goes you know some of the most impressive plays to me have been you know the decisions to to throw the ball out of bounds or not take a sack uh, or not force a, a pass. I mean, those are the, the little things that don't necessarily show up in the in the box score or on the stat line um, that he's done the past few weeks. That uh, that kind of shows me just how much he's grown. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This segment of the show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with five locations in Omaha, two in Lincoln. It is the bye weekend, so uh, it will be a full slate of college football on Saturday. Get, get on into Tanner's, get some wings, uh, watch some college football, go in there Sunday as well as uh, they will have you covered uh, with as many TVs as you're going to find in any sports bar around the Omaha and Lincoln areas. And, guys, another guy as we kind of shift discussion here that's really emerged the last week or two has been J.D. Spielman. And, you know, I was putting together my 3-2-1 column this week, and they do keep track of targets on the official stat broadcast page. And I found this interesting. Um, uh, J.D. Spielman has been targeted the last two weeks 27 times. And I don't know this, but I can't recall a receiver, you know, being targeted that many times um, in two games at Nebraska in a while. I mean, it just seems like a, a crazy high number uh, from what we're used to seeing. In comparison, uh, Stanley Morgan Jr. has been targeted 12 times. DeMornay Pearsonell has been targeted eight times. So uh, Morgan and Pearsonell combined 20 to 27 for Spielman. It's it's really interesting, but he's taken advantage of those targets. He's got a he's produced a lot of third down catches, Robin, and, and really uh, you know set a school record of 200 yards receiving um, against Ohio State. Yeah, who would have saw that coming? Uh, you know, obviously we all had high expectations and you know um, high hopes for what JD Spielman could be, especially you know for for a guy that almost played last year as a true freshman, um, decided to redshirt, which you know in his own opinion was the best thing that could ever happen to him, uh, and clearly uh, he has really become one of the breakout players on this offense. Uh, you know, not, like you mentioned, not only is he catching a lot of passes and getting thrown to a lot, he's coming up with critical catches on third downs. I think uh, what was it against? Uh, uh, Wisconsin, I think five of his six catches converted third down first for first downs. Um, and obviously he was the only thing to feel good about in that Ohio State game, setting the school record with 11 catches for 200 yards. And, um, you know, he, he's the one bright spot that, you know, when you look at some of the young players uh, on this team, he kind of takes the forefront of, um, you know, there, there's there's stuff to build on here. Uh, and I think that when you see that kind of him taking over that slot position, uh, which we knew was going to be a big role in this offense, it always has been 
under Mike Riley. Um, I mean, he kind of fits the prototype of what they want in that slot receiver spot. And, um, you know, who knows how much longer he'll get to work in that. But uh, for the here and now, uh, I think you're... Don't you think he'll be slot forever, though? Like I, I, I don't, do, I, I do. But, but not, you know, I mean, I'm talking about with the emphasis that this offense puts on it. But uh, with for the rest of the year, I agree with your prediction, Sean, and your 3-2-1 that J.D. Spielman will be uh, Nebraska's number one receiver in catches and yards. Well, and Mor- Morgan, I think, Nate, might be a little banged up. It's hard to tell, but, it, you know, he's been battling a lot of stuff this year. Yeah, he's definitely not healthy. Um, after that great touchdown catch of his, against Ohio State where Tanner Lee, you know, placed that ball perfectly in the end zone. I mean, he limped to the to the sideline after that. So uh, I think he's got a, a neck issue. I think he's got an ankle issue and, and maybe even a couple other things going on. So he's definitely not healthy. But, um, but and boy, the emergence of J.D. Spielman has been really fun to watch. And, uh, and he's a humble kid. I mean, after the success that he's had over the past couple of weeks, um, he's he's been the first to say, boy, I'm, I'm just a freshman. I've got so much farther to go. I'm just I'm I got to keep working. I got to keep getting better, and so on and so forth. And uh, and to me, that's pretty impressive. I think he's got the right mentality. And as far as the targets go, boy, I can't think of a of twenty seven in two games. That's yeah. I think you'd probably you know I haven't done the research. Maybe on Maurice Purify exactly. back in the day. That's exactly what I was going to say. Zach Taylor, Maurice Purify is probably when you'd have to go back to find anything remote close to that and I I just doesn't seem like it would be that high I mean did, well in the nature of Nebraska being down 56 to 14 yeah. <laughs> played a factor real fast on Spielman Nate as we wrap it up here I think Mike Riley probably deserves some credit on this as well because he was the guy on the staff that really wanted Spielman I think there was some other people that thought you know maybe even Keith Williams is he big enough and the right kind of guy Mike Riley was the one that stood on a table for Spielman and um, the old head coach definitely knows what he's watching when he sees guys like that yeah he he watched uh, J.D. Spielman in high school and and immediately thought that he was a, a James Rogers, uh, Brandon Cooks type of guy. And you're right, he he was the the one you know beating that drum to get J.D. Spielman on campus, and uh, they got him here. And and uh, boy, so far so good. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift our discussion over to defense and. You'll hear from Bob Diaco here in a little bit. Um, referred to it as a miserable night. Not only miserable one time, he said the word miserable three times in a row. We'll describe that miserable night and kind of where this Blackshirt defense goes next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Again, miserable night. Miserable night. Miserable night. And then for players that are developing, every one of them is going to be better the next time they play. As a coach, the silver lining of this dark, miserable cloud is that the players are improving um, through experience. And then overall, the unit, brick by brick building, the unit building, um, will become the type of unit in time we're just getting started we're just getting started and I just got here these players are playing a lot of new players are playing and we are just getting started with our unit we're getting started with our culture which has been under spectacular amount of strain and attack but we're just getting started and some of these players are just getting started these young guys um, and they're going to be they're going to be really good and we're going to be really good and welcome back here to the Husker online show that was a very emotional Bob Diaco uh, following uh, Saturday's loss to Ohio State, and, and he lost his cool, and, and rightfully so. It was kind of a dumb question. He was asked um, following the game if he thought his defense took 
um, he, somebody basically tried to put words in his mouth that he said his defense took steps in the right direction um, against Ohio State. <laughs> um, it was just a, a poor attempt. Uh, it got him upset, I guess, if that's what the reporter was going for. But Bob Diaco using the word miserable four times in that sound clip there, describing the performance of the Blackshirts, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. And, man, it has just turned on this defense the last two games. You, you look at where they were at post-Illinois, post-Rutgers, even northern Illinois and second-half Oregon. Nebraska's defense mm-hmm. was taking steps in the right direction. But I think when you look at what's happened, some injuries, particularly on the back end with safety, when you lose Aaron Williams, Joshua Kalu, and Antonio Reed, um, they have basically been left with really nobody of experience on that back end. And I don't know if that's played a factor, Robin, but um, it just all has not looked good since the uh, – fourth quarter of Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, there's many different ways to kind of dissect what exactly has gone on, and it's all been different. I mean, Wisconsin just punched Nebraska straight in the face when the game was on the line at 17-17, and Nebraska had no response. Ohio State, you know, basically kicked the door in at Memorial Stadium and didn't stop until four minutes left in the fourth quarter when they finally uh, had an offensive series not go for a touchdown. Uh, So, I mean, it's been bad, miserable, however you want to put it, uh, in a a really, really big way. And, you know, it basically eliminates all the momentum they gained, um, albeit against far inferior competition uh, against, you know, Rutgers, Northern Illinois. Uh, But they were still, you know, giving you signs of progress. Well, that's all out the window now. Um, You know, guys, you know, not only were they just getting uh, outperformed by better athletes and, uh, you know, just getting kind of beat up, you know, get punched in the face a little bit, uh, just the the mental errors that you saw. If you go back and watch some of, of the replays of that game, Guys are just out of position. They're not even anywhere close to make a tackle. Um, you know, they're they're actually moving out of the way of where the ball is going. Uh, it, it was just really confounding uh, as to what exactly was going on in that game. And you know, when we talked to Mike Riley on Wednesday. He didn't have an answer yet, uh, even after, you know, several days removed from that game as to what happened. And, um, you know, he kind of put it on the players a little bit um, for for not being in the right places where they're supposed to be. He said he didn't really mind the defensive scheme against Ohio State. What he minded was the execution or lack thereof. And so, you know, I don't that's kind of rare for him to call his players out like that. But, you know, when you go and watch that game, I don't know how else to chalk it up. Yeah, it's it's hard to really say or you know point a finger uh, exactly when when it's the players on the field. You know, they, they those guys kind of had their ego bruised uh, in the second half against Wisconsin, and then Ohio State came in and um, and spread them out and, and pretty much just snatched their souls because that was uh, that was a pretty poor f- performance anyway. You chalk it up whether it was schematics. Um, or just will and want to uh, on the defensive side of the football. I mean, it was it was like Ohio State was just able to do uh, everything that that they wanted to do, uh, uh, and and there was no resistance or no pushback really. So um, it, it's hard to it's hard to really get a good pulse of exactly where the defense is now. Yet again, I feel like we've kind of been saying that all season long. You know, what's the pulse of the defense? Are, are they getting better? Are they regressing? Or you know, they are they just kind of treading water I don't I don't know uh, but uh, you know you hope they co- are able to correct some things during this bye week and and uh, can put a better effort forth uh, uh, for these next five weeks or so you're listening here to the Husker online show Sean Callahan Robin Washett Nate Klaus we talked defensive storylines and kind of where this group is at and I think the the front seven 
has been what surprised me. I mean, they they looked like that was you know a strong unit, I guess, against what we would call inferior competition. But particularly the outside linebackers, they I just don't know if they have the guys right now to properly run this system on the edge. Um, when when you when you don't have, I mean, Luke Gifford is is good, I think, against the spread teams. But when you start playing these elite level physical Big Ten teams. He's not a great matchup. Cedric King has never played at Nebraska, and now you're starting this guy. And literally before this season, I don't think he took a significant down of football for for probably legitimate reasons. And you're leaning on this guy to be a starter. You got Ben Stilley, who's showing promise, but still very young. I like Ben Stilley, uh, but it, it you know Carlos Davis and Mick Stoltenberg even have struggled the last two weeks. So that that's probably Robin what's been uh, the most discouraging thing to me. Oh, even add Alex Davis in there. It seems like they don't know what to do with I him. I forgot about him because yeah. he hasn't played. Exactly. Anymore. I mean, they don't. They, they tried him as you know that straight uh, cat linebacker, and then they moved him as defensive end on pass rushing situations. Then they moved him back to linebacker with the way Cedric King was playing. And so clearly, uh, if you're moving guys around like that, you know Ben Selly's the same way. You know, they tried him at defensive end, then linebacker, then back to defensive end, and so uh, they just haven't been able to find homes for guys, and that's a problem when you're this far along in the season. I don't care if it's a new defense; you're midway through your first year, and you still don't know where guys are supposed to be playing. Uh, that's I mean, how are you supposed to teach guys if they're not you know focusing in on one role? Uh, and that that's that's probably as big of an issue as anything. And then you know, look in the secondary too; it goes beyond that. Uh, you know, the injury has obviously hurt them as safety, but then against Ohio State, the most potent offense you're going to face all season, they put a redshirt freshman cornerback as your starting safety uh, over guys like Kyron Williams or even Markel Dismuke. I, I, I don't get it. And so, I mean, there's some pretty you know baffling uh, just lineup moves that they've been making um, that you know really I don't know shows that. I don't think this coaching staff really has a good idea of where to put these pieces and how to work around some of the you know uh, shortcomings they might have with their personnel. Well, another guy at linebacker for me is Marcus Newby. I mean, he's a he's a, a senior guy. He's played a lot of football, and you'd think that you know, regardless of the scheme, um, you'd think that a, a, a veteran player like him would know like how to get off a block or or know to you know how to not get sealed or give up the edge. And unfortunately, you know, time after time, it seemed like he was either out of position or or just got got beat and was was given up the edge. Uh, whether it was against Wisconsin in that second half or against Ohio State, so uh, yeah, there was just a. I don't. I don't know what the answer is. I, I mean, it's probably a combination of of uh, of talent, of schematics, of you know, not having guys in the right positions or not having the right guys to run the position. You know, the the positions that you want to run in this defense. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as uh, we wrap up discussion on the defense. And you know, uh, the good news, Robin, is health wise, they are ideally going to get Joshua Kalu. Um, guys like Antonio Reed and Aaron Williams to full health, and they're going to need them for these final five games. Yeah, the bye week, you know, couldn't have come at a better time, both mentally and physically, because they had a lot of guys dinged up, uh, you know, going through seven games uh, without a break. So getting just that week off to kind of like give your body a rest, I think, is going to be extremely valuable for some guys. Um, you know, Joshua Kalu, Antonio Reed, uh, and Aaron Williams all fully practiced, you know, on Wednesday in, in a full pad session. So, I mean, that's pretty encouraging about their status. Um, so, you know, I guess that's that's a, a good good thing, you know, that they're actually going to have all their pieces at their disposal. But 
Um, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, have been playing the past couple of weeks and that hasn't solved much problems. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. Husker Online intern David Eichold will join us here in studio next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I, I will tell you this, and you probably should know it. In my desk at uh, Montana, top drawer, Oregon, and Washington State, I have a short list in both football, men's and women's basketball, of who I would be interested in uh, if I had to make a change. And there's lots of reasons for changes. Some are not getting the job done. The other is maybe moved on to the NFL or the NBA. So there's lots of different reasons. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. We're going to bring in David Eichel, Husker Online intern. That was new athletic director Bill Moose talking about the mysterious right top drawer in his desk where he keeps a list. And Nate, what are the odds some Husker fan is going to pay some custodian 500 bucks or more to open that desk drawer in the middle of the night and, and take a picture of that list. Yeah, I think the security guard at, at Memorial Stadium better be wary of any locksmiths that are that are coming in uh, wanting to go to third floor of uh, North Stadium because it's probably a Husker fan in disguise. All right, well, what do, what do you have in the mailbag? Lots to talk about this week, David. What are the names in Moose Desk? Who would be on his radar if Riley doesn't return next year? Well, I'm going to throw out some hardcore breaking information here, but Scott Frost, um, I mean, I think, you know, and by the way, did you see that he ran the option in practice this Wait, week? Wait, really? Whoa. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is, it's going to be interesting because if a decision does have to be made, you know, like what, how is Bill Moose thinking? Like, wh- what does he think this place really needs? And he's got experience of doing this, unlike Icors, who had never hired a football coach and had only hired one basketball coach in Jim Laranega. Um, you know, and even Tom Osborne, to an extent, didn't have experience hiring and firing coaches until he became the AD in 07. So Moose brings a different bag to things. Um, but I honestly, you know, I do you I think money's not going to be an issue. This idea of being thrifty, if they make a hire, it's not going to fly. I mean, this is kind of your last hand on the poker game if you're Nebraska, and they have to get this right. I mean, there's no question about it. If they get this next hire wrong, if they make a move after this year, I don't even want to – I mean, it's going to set the program back even further. Yeah, you add those circumstances on top of the fact that Bill Moose has shown a knack for being willing to take risks. Um, I think that this – there's no way to just zero in on a couple candidates and just know that's who they're going to get. I mean, this is a guy that Mike Leach was kind of toxic a little bit, you know, coming off that, you know, fallout at Texas Tech. Which was BS. Yeah. So, but I mean, you know, there was some bad PR around him and Bill Moose didn't care because he knew that that was the type of uh, jolt Washington State football needed to get on the national stage. And look at him now. I mean, they're a top 25 team that uh, was in the top 10 at one point. So, uh, you know, I mean, obviously he, he's a guy that is, you know, pretty fearless and and when he sees something in a coach, um, he's not going to let you know some circumstances, uh, whatever they may be, uh, interfere with that. And so he's got all the money that he could possibly ask for to make this hire. Um, and you know he's got a long list of connections during his you know time, you know both at Oregon, Washington, 
State and just in the Pac-12 as general. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of where this thing goes, but I wouldn't rule anything out at this point given everything can, we know about him and uh, what he has at his disposal. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I think, obviously, Scott Frost is a given uh, on that list is going to be someone that that's not only going to get a look from Nebraska if they make a change, but a lot of other programs across the country. And then beyond that, you know, all bets are off. I, I think that, uh, like you said, Sean, I don't think money's going to be a huge issue. And I think you've got a guy at the helm now who's not afraid to to really take a risk and, and go all in uh, to get somebody that he thinks would be a good fit. And it's we're going to have a lot of time to talk about this down the road, but it, it's going to be a debate. Do you take a chance on an up-and-comer? Like a, a random guy. I mean, but I don't think Husker fans will, will go for that. That's the problem. I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of what Tennessee's probably going through right now. Uh, and both programs were kind of the programs of the 90s. Both are not happy with where things are at. And um, both are going to have big decisions going up here. What do you got next? What's been the atmosphere like over the past two weeks in practice? Um, it, it's always hard to, like, really truly read that. We only get to watch about 30 minutes on Tuesdays. Um, and, you know, they, it, from what we get to see, I don't think you could, it'd be fair to, to make any big, strong observations. Um, but I always feel like the approach with Riley seems the same, whether it's a, a good day or a bad day. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what he said when we finally got to talk to him during the bye week uh, on Wednesday. Uh, he basically said, I don't want to sound pie in the sky, but the attitude's great. And so <laughs> they, they take that for what it is. I mean, I'm sure when you lose two straight games like that, people aren't feeling uh, 100% giddy. Uh, I'm sure there's some guys that are probably uh, feeling a little bit. You know, they, they, they hear all the outside talk about how this pro the season's lost and uh, their coach is going to get fired and, you know, what, what happened in Nebraska football. So uh, as much as they want to kind of try and block that out, it's impossible to fully not let that stuff affect you. It is impossible, but I still feel like, for the most part, I get a, a feeling that uh, you know that things are still fairly positive, fairly up, upbeat. You know, I felt that way towards the end of fall camp when is when that's generally a time where guys are are kind of sick and tired of practicing and and wanting to get the season started. And I still kind of feel that way now after you know after a couple of losses that the general mood at least is is fairly it's fairly positive. It's it's not toxic. I don't I don't get that impression whatsoever. Will Diaco be more aggressive in these last five games? That will be interesting to see because you're not going to see, other than the Penn State game, the type of athlete they've seen the last two games, uh, particularly Ohio State's skill players. I feel like Diaco is awfully protective against the big play with his scheme, and and we've seen that with the cushions he gives and and, and whatnot where um, he's okay every once in a while with allowing a 10- to 15-yard completion, but he doesn't want to allow the 70-yard play uh, where I don't think Purdue and – some of these teams down the stretch, like Minnesota, uh, Northwestern, they're not going to stretch Nebraska more. They're going to be different types of teams compared to what Nebraska's played the last two weeks. Yeah, but keep in mind, I mean, just Diaco's defense in general isn't really aggressive. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to bring the house uh, on blitz packages. I mean, he's very uh, picks his spots and very meticulous with how he brings pressures. And a big part of that is the whole bend but don't break philosophy. So I don't expect to see any sort of massive schematic change where all of a sudden Nebraska's dialing up the heat on every other play. Uh, I think you're probably going to continue to see them play pretty passive in coverage. And a big part of that is the play of their corners. Their corners have 
have been really, really bad the past few weeks, uh, just to put it bluntly. I mean, they're not covering guys even with a 10 to 15-yard cushion, and they're not making tackles uh, when the ball's caught in front of them. Uh, So, I mean, that in itself kind of limits how aggressive you can be because if you can't trust your corners to hold their own on you know man-to-man coverage or whatever on the perimeter uh you really can't do a whole lot when it comes to getting after the quarterback yeah I'm not really anticipating them to become more aggressive I think the aggressiveness to me will be dictated by the different spots and and um you know I guess situations that that the team is going to find themselves in here over the next five weeks if you were Mike Riley, would you force Diaco to be on the sidelines to give pep talks his defense? No, I, I don't think that really matters. Um, and and Diaco won the Frank Broyles Award at Notre Dame coaching from the press box. So I really, truly believe he probably is at his best when he can see everything. When you're on the sidelines, it is pretty easy to get caught up in the emotion. And you always hear this, Robin, after games when you ask coaches um, you know, about – particular things they see they go well I won't be able to tell you that until I see the film I think up top though you get a clearer picture and he's just such a control freak to begin with uh, I don't, don't think he would operate well on the sideline I mean he, he's a guy that needs everything laid out in front of him he's got to be able to see uh, the all 22 view of the field um, and see personnel from the other team coming in uh, and so for him to kind of get caught in the chaos of the sideline I think would probably more of a, be more of a detriment to uh, just his ability to coach than anything. Yeah, I think that whole deal, whether he's in the box or on the sideline, is probably one of the bigger things that's been completely blown overblown. Out of, yeah, blown out of proportion this year. I mean, you, why would you want to take somebody out of their comfort zone or out of their element? Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And, and clearly he's more comfortable in the box. All right, you got something light to end on here, David? What do you guys do on your bye weeks? Do you try to take a vacation or you just lay back and watch sports? I'll be watching, obviously, a little football. I'm going to the Garth Brooks show Sunday, so uh, that will be fun to get out and go downtown. Um, I think pretty much everybody that's about my age within Lincoln is probably going to the Garth Brooks show, (laughs) one of the five shows this weekend. I will not be going to the Garth Brooks show. Just put that out there. Uh, well, our bye week started with a new athletic director being hired, so it hasn't exactly been time off. And, uh, you know, we had Big Ten Media Day for basketball uh, on Thursday. And so, you know, as much as I would have liked to just kick back and sit in front of the TV and binge watch Netflix, uh, it has not played out that way. Yeah, it, it never really does especially when you're when you're our age and yeah and the kids start getting involved yeah get got kids involved and and sometimes they're sick or whatever i don't know but uh i am going to the garth brooks show on on friday uh got got the got the hookup on some tickets there so we'll i'm not a huge country guy but (laughs) i will go see garth brooks because i know the majority of his songs and i hear he puts on a hell of a show i I just like going down to the rail yard and enjoying the atmosphere down there it's just fun to go down for a big event like this weekend all right Hey, thanks, David. Uh, When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show with recruiting talk. Nebraska's coaches will be on the road, including Mike Riley, who will be in Beatrice to watch Cam Juergens. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We're going to have some coaches leaving as soon as tonight, and some will stay. We're going to have a practice that will be run by probably half of our full-time coaches tomorrow uh, and it will be good but we thought we'd benefit from having one more day in high schools I got kind of lobbied on that and it was a good idea I think and welcome back here to the Husker Online Show final segment of the show as head coach Mike Riley 
giving the recruiting rundown plan for this weekend. It was Dante Williams that kind of lobbied a little bit, Nate, as we bring in Nate Klaus to, to put the staff in high schools uh, for at least two days because you only get one bye week during the season. Um, so this is the only time you can truly get away from home unless you're playing a road game like in California or Florida and maybe on Friday you could slip in somewhere. Uh, but other than that, it's you don't get out until after Thanksgiving. So it is kind of an important one or two days to at least go out and 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 keep relationships. Yeah, absolutely. This is the the one time of the year where you can really, um, you know, get out and make a presence across the country. Not just you know hit one coach hits one or two games or or just all local games. I mean, this is an opportunity to get out uh, if they wanted uh, on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and, and with Saturday being um, you know some whether that's some Saturday games in St. Louis or uh, in inner city LA, or if it's some junior college games so yeah I think it was very smart to get out and do that plus with all the uncertainty right now and all the all the stuff swirling around whether it be on social media or or just in the you know online or print media um, I, I think it's good for there to be a presence out there especially with a lot of the commitments that Nebraska has you're listening here to the Oscar online show Sean Callahan and a class as we talk recruiting uh, as Nebraska embarks on this bye week. And we know Mike Riley and Nate will be at Cameron Juergens' game uh, on Friday night. Any other idea of target spots where some of the coaches might be going out to? Well, they've already gone out and, and seen Buki Radley Hiles at IMG Academy. Both Keith Williams and Dante Williams were there uh, the 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 Saturday after the um, Friday you know, night game. Yeah, after the Friday night game in Illinois. So, uh, so I think that uh, you know you can kind of cross those two commits off the list and and kind of focus in on the the remaining nine commits that uh, that Nebraska has. I think they're going to try and blanket the majority of those guys and, and kind of show them a little bit of love, like. I said there's there's some question marks now and, and some guys um, that are committed are are still committed but they're they're kind of lining up some some plan B's options you know just in case you know you have to take a guy like Joshua Moore for example um, who's taking his official visit to Alabama this weekend so uh, I can pretty much guarantee you that you're going to see at least one coach probably at least Keith Williams will be in Yoakum Texas uh, on Friday night you know watching Joshua Moore showing him some support there um, and, and kind of uh, you know showing him some love because he's heading off to uh, to Alabama right after the game, and, and he said that he's also going to take a trip to Flor Florida State at some point in time too. So, and you've got a couple other guys, you know, Chase Williams, uh, for example, is going to be taking an official visit to USC. So I'm sure that Dante will be out in California uh, watching watching uh, the guys at Roosevelt there play. Um, you know, and, and the list goes on and on as far as all the commitments go. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan. Nate classes we talk recruiting now Nate when they're out on this bye week it's different than your um, in-home visit season I think there's kind of a misconception that the coaches can go and have long extensive visits and talks with these guys it's really more just being seen because of the rules um you're really only allowed to make a bump which is basically an informal hello yeah you can you can kind of nod and 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 uh say hi to these guys but it's not like you can sit down and and kind of you know shoot the bull with a kid in, in the coach's office for uh for hours on end uh like he can during the contact period so it is pretty limited so um what it's what, you know the point of it all is to make a presence and 
and kind of let the kid know, hey, look, I, I traveled halfway across the country to come watch you play uh, because you're my guy, that type of deal. So uh, at nights they can make their rounds at, at some games, you know, depending on where they're at. A lot of times, you know, that you'll see a coach go to one half of one game and then hit up a, the second half of another game somewhere else. Uh, but during the day, that's where you can really make, you know, a lot of progress, whether it's talking with high school coaches and kind of, you know, letting them know what's going on and and uh, what's what you know what the deal what the future is and uh, and also kind of evaluate some younger talent uh, there's already been an offer that's gone out uh, and and I expect that this week will produce several more offers uh, just from you know having coaches on the road and being able to see guys in person and, and watch new new game film with coaches and whatnot now Nate, you you can offer some interesting perspective to kind of what's going on right now you were on soldier staff and you were around in 03. You were on Callahan's staff, and you were around in 07. Um, when, but I, I think the Solage one was a little bit different. I think the the the, uh, the one that we could really kind of parallel to what's going on now is Callahan 07 when Osborne came in to replace Peterson, kind of like Bill Moose coming in to replace I-Course midseason. It kind of sets a shock wave, a panic wave. And when you're trying to manage and do recruiting and uh, keep things together, how difficult can that be, especially for you know the staffers and people behind the scenes? It's very difficult because you you're you're pretty much walking on eggshells, not knowing exactly what's going to happen. Um, trying to carry on business as usual, but obviously there's there's kind of a cloud over over you and with everything you, that you do. There's there's kind of question marks being asked, um, or and, and you're asking yourself some some big questions. You know what's going on, but what I can say is from my experience, especially being on Callahan's staff in 2007, is that we ramped things up recruiting wise. Um, we we did not just kind of throw in the towel and say, boy, well the things don't look good, so. So we're going to just, you know, kind of back things off and um, and not not recruit new kids and, and not, you know, keep showing our current commitments attention. Uh, we ramp things up. And, and uh, I think the surest way to go ahead and seal your own fate is to throw in the towel and, and quit recruiting and, and kind of send the message out that, you know what, it doesn't matter because um, there's a chance that we, we might not be here. So uh, I, I think that you'll see that with this staff. I think you'll see recruiting get ramped up. Uh, obviously. They're out on the road right now, being very active, uh, you know, communicating with a lot of the, the current commits and the coaches of these commits. And, and evaluating new talent, so uh, and trying to find the answer for for uh, for you know what ails them down the road, and and I don't know if if that you know could possibly mean some junior college offers that that go out from this week, or or just the the continuation of of kind of their their high school recruiting plan, which which includes some some yet some big time targets, so uh, and some big time targets that are still planning to visit Lincoln. So uh, for me. I, I think that we'll see this the recruiting efforts kind of continue to to stay the same if not get ramped up I'll say this Nate as we wrap up the discussion here with only 11 commits and you've got 10 full-time coaches I think it's a little easier to manage communication I mean it, it would be kind of dicey if you had about a 25-man commit list right now uh, to keep communication with all 25 guys but when you got a, just 11 and you're only taking 18 I feel like it is a little easier to manage that communication. Yeah, it's definitely easier to, to kind of manage the, the message and, and kind of um, stay in touch with, with that amount of kids. Um, the problem is, is that – 
can, you know, if you only have 11 commits, you still have a lot of targets out there. Yet. Seven, seven spots to fill. Technically. Yeah. And, and so, and for every, you know, let's say you get one out of 10. So there's still probably 70 kids, at least on their board that they're in constant communication with. So there's still a lot of targets that are out there that they're communicating with. And the sense that I'm getting from a lot of those targets is that they're kind of taking a wait and see approach. So that's the interesting part of this. Well, it's going to be an interesting time and uh, we'll have full updates on where the staff is out on the road. I hope everybody enjoys their off Saturday and uh, gets ready for next week's game at Purdue. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.